Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Fred Lowry, illuminating God's Word for today's world. The choice, the Word of God, or the world. The choice, Christ, or culture for us. We can choose Christ. are in a series on the favor of God, and we are using the book, the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis, because the story of Joseph is a great illustration about how to live right when life goes wrong. It's also a great biblical teaching on how to make dreams come true in your life. And then I believe it's the most powerful illustration of what it means to have the favor of God on your life. And I guess the other reason would be it's one of my favorite stories, if not my favorite story in the Old Testament. Last Sunday we talked about Joseph's dreams. He had five dreams. He had two dreams about himself. He had dreams about the baker and the butler. And then it was Pharaoh's dream that that thrust him into power and, and into prominence. His first dream was about position and power. You remember the sheaves. His sheaf was standing up and the the brother's sheaves were bowing down. And so here was the dream that he was going to be the leader and his brothers, his family would have to bow down to him. The second dream was about cash and control and the stars, the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars were bowing down to him. Joseph saying that one day he would be over all the resources of the entire earth. And of course you remember the response of the brothers in verse 8 of chapter 37 of Genesis. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? You can imagine brothers saying that to one another. The thought of a brother having another brother rule over him. By the way, since you brought it up, yesterday, this past week we celebrated my grandson's second birthday. And I was amazed there to see the potential in this child. (laughs) Maybe, maybe a president, I don't know, but just an unusual brilliance, it seemed to me. And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. So they hated Joseph for his dreams, and they hated him for his words, what he said. Envy and malice are two dream breakers. Envy causes inward pain when we, when we see others succeed. And that's a major problem. See, we don't have any trouble rejoicing when, when we do something, but when others do well, we have trouble rejoicing with other people, even sometimes envying them when they succeed. Malice is the other thing. It causes inward satisfaction when others actually fail. When those around you fail and you see people fail, there's something of an inward satisfaction. I guess you know that's sin and that's wrong. And that's what breaks dreams. Why, do we, why is there so much in the Bible about dreams? Well, God made every believer a dreamer. Do you believe that? God made every believer a dreamer. Why don't you turn to the person next to you, since we need to liven up this crowd a little bit, and just say, I'm a dreamer. Would you do that? Just turn to somebody and say, I'm a dreamer. 
Because that's exactly what God tells us. The Bible says without a dream, without a vision, we perish. Without a dream, we live death-like, boring existences. The second thing is God is in control. The main character in this drama is Yahweh. God is the one who is behind the scenes. Though hidden in the form of a dream, God, Yahweh, is always working. He is silent, but never still. He is invisible, but always in control. And Joseph's dream sets forth a chain of events appearing like they're disasters. But far from being disasters, it is a work of grace going on and God is working behind the scenes. And how do we know that? We know that by jumping over to Genesis chapter 50 verse 20. The climax that says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. Isn't that great? God can take anything that happens in your life, no matter how bad it is, no matter what people do to you, even if it's a sin against you, God can take that and turn it around to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. I think the third reason dreams are so important in Scripture is that Jesus is the fulfillment of life's dreams. Amazingly, and, and this, is, this is so good, the dreams didn't exhaust themselves in the personal history of Joseph, but they go on and find fulfillment in Jesus Christ himself. Remember, Joseph is a type of Christ. And as a type of Christ, one day in Joseph's life, all the people around will have to bow down to Joseph. Joseph is in charge. But there is coming a day when Jesus Christ will reign supremely and every knee shall bow to him. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is the Christ. And Jesus says, I've come that you might have life, abundant life, the fulfillment of life's dreams. Is Jesus Christ. Now we pick up today in verse 12 of chapter 37. Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, As you know, your brothers are grazing their flocks near Shechem. Come, I'm going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to him, Go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks. And bring word back to me. See, we complain, some complain about Joseph telling on his brothers, but he was obeying his father who said, you bring the word back to me. You give me a report. Then he sent him off to the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around in the fields and asked him, what are you looking for? He replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? They have moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. And they even saw him coming, and they got, just, they got so mad. The, the envy, the malice, the resentment, the jealousy, so stirred up within them that they began to plot to kill him before he even got there. 
Here comes that dreamer. Can't you hear it in that? Here comes that dreamer. They hated his dreams. They hated him for his dreams. They hated him for his words. They said to each other, come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then, listen to this, then we'll see what comes of his big dreams. We're going to break his dreams. We're going to kill his dreams. We're going to kill him. Now, I want you to check out something here that's very, very important. And that is Joseph's response to the authority in his life, his own father. Joseph said, I'm going, Jacob said to Joseph, I'm going to send you to check on the brothers in Shechem. I want you to find out what the brothers are doing, and I want you to find out how the flocks are doing. I'm interested in both. If my boys are behaving, if they're okay, and if the flocks are okay. So check on the boys and check on the flocks. Now you think about that. Did Joseph know that he was hated by his brothers? Check it this way. You, you, yes. He knew that. He also could count how many of them, how many am I? I mean, he, he had no, no protection with that many boys. And so he knew that if he were out there alone in the fields, way away from anybody, way away from his father, miles and miles and miles away from his father, that his life was in danger. So Joseph could have easily argued. And that's, you know, when a father tells a son what to do, many times that's what you get an argument. Shouldn't be that way. He could have complained. He could have refused to go. He could have rebelled and said, it's not right for you to send me out there. You know something terrible could happen to me. You know what they think about me. Or he could have said, listen, you've said you love me more. If you love me more, you wouldn't send me out there. Because I may not even come back. He could have said a lot. But you know what Joseph said? Very well. I'm happy to do it. If that's what you want me to do, then that's what I want to do. Here am I, send me. Wow. Listen to me carefully. If the dreams in your life, and I'm glad I'm preaching this to students today. If the dreams in your life are going to come true, then you must submit to the authorities in your life. You know, I've been watching kids all these years grow up. And those kids that had no respect for their parents, the authority in their lives, they had no respect for their teachers, no respect for, for teachers at church. When you look at their lives today, they're in a mess. Because they didn't obey the authorities in their lives. And that is one, if you want to just put a marker out there, a sign, on how well someone's going to do in life, you, you look at that person, how that person responds to authority. Because we're all under authority. And it goes all the way up to, to you men. 
If all you do is criticize your boss and you make fun of him and you complain about what he has you doing, I can tell you your dreams won't come true. I can tell you that you are a whiner and a whiner is not a winner. If you're looking around to blame everybody while you're not climbing up, listen, you're the biggest problem. You've got to take responsible for who you are. And if you want the dreams to come true in your life, then one thing you must do is respect the authority that's in your life. Learn to obey your teachers, your parents, your boss. Now, I see three characteristics of Joseph's obedience here. Because the key to having your dreams come true involves obedience. The key, listen to me, the key of having God's favor on your life involves obedience. You don't expect ever to have God's favor if you're not willing to submit to the ultimate authority in your life, if you're not willing to obey God. So I see three characteristics of Joseph's obedience. Number one, he was courageously obedient. I mean, he knew what it was going to be to be be thrown to the wolves out there. I mean, he had brothers who were hungry to do him harm. And he knew that. He knew it was going to be difficult, but he was willing to take a risk because he was obedient to his father. Secondly, he was completely obedient. Because what did his father tell him? His father said, Joseph, I want you to go to Shechem That's where your brothers are, and I want you to check on the boys and check on the flocks. So he went to Shechem because, yes, Father, I'll do that. He gets to Shechem, and the boys are not there. And he says, thank God. Done. I did what my father said. The boys aren't here. I'm safe. I'm out of here. Kind of like some of you when you go make a visit, to a soul-winning visit, and you, you get there and... You're praying nobody's home. Or you drive around the house for 15 to 20 minutes till the cars are gone, and then you go knock on the door and leave a note. See, he could have easily said, I have, I have fulfilled exactly what my father asked me to do. But Joseph is not that kind of person. Joseph is a dreamer. He is one who believes in authority. He is one who knows not only what his father said, but he knows his father's heart. He knew his father wanted to know about his boys. And so he starts looking for them. Can you imagine that? I mean, looking for guys who want to harm you. Are you with me, Harry? I mean, that's tough. I mean, imagine wanting to go into that kind of situation. He didn't want to do that. But he wanted to represent his father. He wanted to do what his father wanted him to do. So he goes on to Dothan. Somebody tells him they've moved on to Dothan. That's 24 miles. And he didn't have his Hummer with him. 24 more miles to find his brother, only, his brothers only to, to discover that they're getting ready to kill him. So he was courageously obedient. 
He was completely obedient. He had a great philosophy that if you want success in life and if you want your dreams to, to come true, you do what you're asked to do, you do what you're expected to do, and then some. You want to do well in your job, you do what you're expected to do, and then some. And then some. Those, you see, we want to criticize those who, who, whose dreams come true. But you see, dreams don't just come true automatically. They're the result of wise decisions, careful planning, hard work, good judgment, obeying authority, and then some. So he did what his father asked, and then some. He completely obeyed. The third thing about his obedience, he consistently obeyed. Because Joseph didn't just obey his father, Jacob, but he obeyed God, his heavenly father. He obeyed Potiphar. He obeyed the prison guards. He became a model prisoner. Now listen, he was in prison unjustly. He had done no wrong. And yet in prison, he obeyed the prison guards so much so that he eventually became in charge of the prison. He obeyed the Pharaoh. He was consistently obedient. It's no wonder that there are only three people in the Old Testament about whom there is no evil reported. That's this kind of man. Now, last week we began to talk about these dream principles. Number one, some of our personal dreams will be fulfilled and others will not. Dreams can turn into nightmares. Maybe that's happened for somebody here. You thought you were living out your dream and it turned into a nightmare. You thought that you wanted to do something, but you end up hating what you thought you wanted to do. But then the opposite of that is also true. Sometimes nightmares turn into dreams. I shared with you early on that the one thing in life I didn't want to do was to pastor a church. And if somehow I was so unlucky that that came into my life, the last thing on earth I wanted to be would be a First Baptist church. And you see, that would be my nightmare. But isn't it interesting that my nightmare has become my dream and has given me the greatest fulfillment in my life? And I want you to know I stand here this morning thanking God that my dream to be a state trooper did not materialize. And that doesn't mean I don't appreciate the state troopers. But it means that God had so much more for me than I ever even thought about. I'm thankful to God that He gifted us, gave us abilities, made us, planned us, designed us, and that means that he has something special for each of us to do. And when we find it, when we lock into it, it will bring us our greatest fulfillment. Listen, I talk to people all the time in this life who are doing a lot of cool things, but they have no fulfillment in their lives. And they're searching and they don't know why. It's 
because they still have not locked into what God dreamed for them. Don't sell yourself short. God has something for you that will bring you fulfillment. The second thing about dreams is that our dreams can be sabotaged by others or by us. We can sabotage our own dreams. And let me tell you, when you start having visionary plans and dreams, when when you start reaching for something out there, I promise you there will be people around you who will do everything they can out of envy and out of jealousy to shoot down your dreams. To tell you why it can't be done. Why you shouldn't do it. They will discourage you every way possible. I tell you, you're too old, you're too immature, you're not smart enough, you don't know the right people. Just know that that's going to be out there. Just know that when good things began to happen in your life, you're not going to have a bunch of people who want to celebrate with you. But you know what I've discovered? If what you're doing, when you look up at your heavenly Father and catch His smile, that's all that matters. Because that's what's going to bring you fulfillment and joy. But let me tell you this. It is even more likely that you will sabotage your own dreams. Because of what uh, my friend Zig Ziglar calls stinking thinking. See, a bunch of you have tapes that play in your mind that tells you you can't have fulfilling dreams. That you can't accomplish great things in your life. That you don't have the potential to really make a difference. And you keep playing those tapes over and over. One of the biggest problems is the past. See, some of you are stuck. You're stuck right here. You've not made any progress in years. And the reason you're stuck is because you think because of your past that your dreams can't be fulfilled. That you can't accomplish great things. I want you to get it through your minds and into your hearts that your past does not define who you are. And that if you want to accomplish things in your life that are worthwhile and fulfilling, one of the first things you've got to do is you've got to let go of your past and you've got to make a firm commitment. I'm not looking back. You ever thought God just gave you two feet that are pointed in one direction? Have you ever noticed that? God didn't make you to back up. He made you to go forward. Why don't you turn to somebody next to you? Because I'm trying to help you all today because you're dead. Turn to somebody next to you and say, I'm not looking back. I'm not looking back. Listen to me. Listen to me. Look at me. Let me see the whites of your eyes. Look at me. If you try to move forward looking back, you'll run into a parking meter. You'll walk into a post. You can't make progress looking back. The only thing you can do with your past is give it to God and praise God when you put your past on the blood of Jesus Christ. It is not even remembered by Jesus. He chooses to forget it. Third thing about dreams is that our dreams can be shattered. 
not just sabotaged, but shattered. There are few, if any, ever make it through life with, without having a dream shattered by an illness, an accident, a tragedy. Lee and I were driving home from Austin last, Austin last evening. We saw a terrible wreck on Interstate 20. I mean a terrible wreck. Cars so smashed that it, 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 looked, it would look impossible that anybody survived. And we got there just, just after it happened, and immediately I began to pray for that family as I always do. And Lee and I talked about how how now families' lives have been suddenly changed. They'll never be the same. And how most, most of them don't even know yet what's happened. They haven't received that phone call. To realize how quickly an accident can shatter your dreams. But here's what, here's what you need to understand. That even though dreams are shattered, no matter how, how tragic, ultimately, God's dream for your life will be fulfilled. And that whatever you have to go through, God, you know what I call it, I call it trouble grace. That God gives you the trouble, the grace to handle the trouble. Whatever the trouble is, God will give you the grace to make it through. But now I want to I teach you some theology. I want to teach you something that Baptists can't get a hold of, but we need to understand. Unfortunately, many, many church members, many Baptists, have a misunderstanding of what the Bible promises regarding our daily life. The good news of the gospel is not that we are promised easier lives, but that we are promised better lives. And the gospel is more about the future. The good news that ultimately it's going to be worth it all when we see Christ. But let me tell you what I run into all the time. It seems that the average church member has this sense of entitlement that his life, her life, should work well. That everything should be good. And if all of a sudden it's not good, then God is to, is to jump in there and fix it to make it good. That somehow the, the purpose of God in our lives is to continually improve the quality of our lives. And by that logic, that means that marriages should work and that all biopsies should come back benign and that we should experience success in every area of our lives and that we would always have health and wealth. And that simply is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that you need God plus nothing to be happy. That you'll never need more than God. You don't have to have your life perfect. Because this Bible does not say that if you will live for God and if you will trust God, then you will not be in an accident. You will not have a tragedy come into your life. That simply is not so. 
What it does say is that all things, all things, God works in to bring ultimate good in your life. And that your ultimate dream will work out. Because let me tell you, if you believe that everything's going to be fine in this life, you're believing a lie and you're walking in the flesh. And believing that lie results in two things. Number one, we value only what God can do for us now. And the second thing, we seek, listen to me, we seek God's hand rather than his face. I heard amens everywhere. Solid amens. See, that's the only thing that keeps me going. Is I, I think in my mind, I heard a bunch of silent amens. You see, that's our problem. We're seeking God's hand. God, what can you do for me? God, what can you do for my kids? What can you do for my career? What can you do for me? What can you do to help me? God says, seek me. I'm all you need. Seek me. Seek my face. God says, I give you myself. All that I am, I want to be in you. And all that I am in you, I want to be through you. And we think, if I, what I need is just success in this area. I need this thing to work out or that thing to work out. No, you need to get with God. And let everything flow out of your relationship with God because your dreams are going to be shattered from time to time. There are no exceptions of that. But listen to me. Listen, 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 listen. Most of us would never get to know God if we didn't have dreams shattered. I've spent my life studying the Bible. Who knows how many years of education I've been through. But let me tell you the greatest truths I've ever learned is when I was down. And I didn't know where to turn. I didn't know if I was going to make it through. God showed me himself. And God touched me with his grace. And I'm telling you, God is always enough. You say, Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying my hope is in the Lord. Number four, our dreams can be stolen. Your life dream that utilizes your talents and abilities that God has given you so that you can bless other people and you can honor and glorify God. I'm telling you, the enemy, Satan, wants to steal that dream. Know that you have an enemy who wants to steal that dream. Or someone will steal that dream. Something will steal that dream. There are many dream stealers. The jealous friend. An unfaithful spouse, a financial reversal, a business failure, a job loss, a serious illness, a teacher that questions your abilities. And don't misunderstand me because I love and thank God for teachers just like I love and thank God for fathers. But I want you to know that in dealing with people who are messed up throughout my ministry, 
what has lodged in the minds and hearts of these people many times is a bad word, a wrong word. A word of condemnation has come from a father or from a teacher that that person has not been able to get over. I'll tell you a little story that's uh, it's hyperbole, but it's, it, it emphasizes the point. A history teacher who was tutoring three history students. Susan was her favorite, and she loved Susan. And she was giving the final exam, and she said, just going to be one question for each of you. And she said, Susan, what was the name of the famous ship that sank when it hit icebergs. And Susan said, the Titanic. And the teacher gave a great big smile and said, great, Susan, great. Then she turned to Billy. She didn't like Billy as much. And she said, Billy, how many people lost their lives? Billy thought for a few seconds, and he says, 1,228. The teacher didn't smile, but she said, correct. I'm amazed. And then she turned to Jimmy, her nemesis. She didn't like Jimmy at all. And she said to Jimmy, you named them. Have you ever felt that way? See, I, I just want you to understand that you can say a word. And I'm a great example. We don't have time to talk about me, but, but I had a school principal who said to me, Lowry, you'll never make it. You'll never accomplish anything worthwhile. Don't waste your time with college. Don't take college prep courses. You couldn't pass them if you took them. And it took me 20 years to get that stinking thinking out of my mind. Be careful what you say. And then dads, huge dream. Bursters, just would burst a dream just like that. Shatter a dream. By something you say, you'll never amount to anything. Trying to motivate your kids You're crushing their spirits. Don't don't go there. And and let let me say this since you brought it up. We're so quick to condemn Joseph's brothers, aren't we? We don't even like them already. I mean, these guys are bad to the bone. We don't like his brothers. And I understand that, but let me tell you something. Beneath their inappropriate behavior, beneath their ungodly behavior, you still have a group of boys who more than anything else at one point in their lives, they wanted to know a father loved them. They wanted to feel loved. They wanted to feel appreciated. They wanted to feel believed in. 
And you have to know that that dysfunctional family was at the root of what we're seeing now played out in the lives of these older brothers. Because I'm telling you, those brothers had dreams too. At one time. But their dreams were stolen by a dysfunctional family. Number five, our dreams are delayed. Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is as a tree of life. Joseph's dream was postponed by his brothers for about 20 years, delayed. But Joseph kept his hope and his faith, and that's what kept him steady through those years. Even when he was in prison for a crime, he didn't commit. And four times in a single chapter, we find these words, the Lord was with Joseph. 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 Listen, if the Lord is with you, that's all you need. Now let me suggest to you that you act on your dreams. Because God can put a dream in your heart, but you've got to act on it. You've got to engage Dreams often, listen, dreams often stay on hold in our lives because of indecision. And many times that indecision is based on fear. We're afraid if we jump out there, we go for our dreams, we'll make a mistake. I can, I can help you with that. I guarantee you, you'll make a mistake. We all have. We all will. But I also want you to know that God, listen, this is what's great about this story. God can use even our failures and our mistakes to move us toward the fulfillment of our greatest dreams. What a God. He says, I'll take your mistakes and your failures and I'll put them in the mix and I'll stir it. And ultimately, I will use those mistakes and failures to help you reach your dreams. And for those of you who think you've made a mistake and therefore your dreams will never be fulfilled, I want you to know you serve a bigger God than that. A mistake here, a mistake there will not derail your destiny that God has planned for you. God sets a dream out there in front of us. He puts the direction in our hearts. But we've got to engage. We've got to reach for it. We've got to move in faithfulness and in obedience. And in using the gifts that God has given us. And you know what I've learned in life? Is that God may not give us bigger dreams until we actually live out little dreams. You know, I have young preachers that come to me all the time. They, they want to know, how do you get into church this size? That time, it was easy. I started off speaking to a Sunday school class. And at the WMU, because these are the only people that have me. And I'd go speak at the prison. And I'd preach on the street corner. But see, I'm around guys who want to leave seminary and pastor a bag of church. Of course, I have trouble with that whole thing because it's not the size of your church that matters. 
It's the level of your commitment to God. And are you living out His dream for your life? But you see, I believe if we're faithful in those little assignments, God will give us bigger assignments. Faithful there, He'll give you even bigger assignments. But God loves you too much to take you from here and put you over here because you're not ready for it anyway. You'll self-destruct. So if you want to fulfill your dreams, start with those dreams right now that, that you know that you can begin to move forward. In other words, bloom where you're planted. Don't whine, shine. And then I want to say to you, it's always too early to give up on your dreams. It's always too early to give up on your dreams. Jim, when I came here 23 years ago, I had a dream for this building. Look how long it's taken us to get here. I thank God that you didn't give up and I didn't give up. Because it takes a long time. It's always too soon to give up. That's what I say about a marriage is in trouble. It's always too soon to give up unless God dies. As long as God lives, there's hope for your dream. And that's the beautiful thing about Joseph. He encourages us, hang in there. Stay with it. Go to the end of the story. Joseph, the illustration that illustrates Romans 8, 28. For all things work together for good to those who love God. And then God's ultimate dream for us will be fulfilled. Because the God of Joseph, listen to me, is your God. If he hasn't lost any of his abilities. God hadn't been sick and he's not old. God can handle anything he needs to handle in your life. You know, when I think of dreams, I think of kids because their life is so simple. They believe in dreams. They believe in fairy tales. They believe in make-believe. They believe that you have that you can have exactly what you want as long as you do it exactly the way you want it done. They can be a princess or a prince or a Barbie or a mermaid. I mean, anything can be anything. Laura Leah, I remember the first time she asked me to be her prince. And I said, Laura Lee, I... I don't know how to be prince. She said, all you got to do is do what I tell you to. <laughs> she says, just walk, take my arm and walk out there and then hold my hand while I twirl. <laughs> now, if you do that, you'll be a prince. If you don't do that, you're not a prince. How simple. She's creating her own dream. And if I start, if I don't, Hold hand while she twirls, hold her hand. She lets me know I'm not being a prince. Because it's going to work out because if you'll do it my way, exactly like I say, it's amazing these little kids, they, they want everything done exactly like they think it's supposed to be done. She'll tell me in a second, no, 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 not that way. You can't do it that way. 
But see, she has great success all the time because she's got a plan, and when it works out, like when you do it like she wants it done, it's a dream fulfilled. And we, we need to learn that about God. If we could just learn to do what God says when God says to do it, bam, success. Why can't we learn that? You see, when I did exactly what Laura Lee told me to do, she was happy and I was happy. Success. And if we will do what God says us to do, and listen to me, do exactly like God says to do it. How many times do we take God's plans and try to rearrange them? I know, God, you said this, but, uh, I mean, that was a long time ago, God. It's it's a different day. I'm going to move this way and do this. And then we wonder why it doesn't turn out. Listen, here's what God says. God says, do it exactly like I tell you to do it, and it will turn out exactly like I say it will turn out. Like Laura Lee says, it's simple. If we'll just do it. Think of numbers if they were talking. Number zero, you know... I have a terrible self-image. I can't, I'm not worth anything. It's zero, zilch, nada, nothing. I'm nothing. But to try to get some encouragement, she moves over and stands by nine. And when nine sees her, he starts frowning and says, Get out of here. You're nothing. You're zero. You add nothing. So she felt even worse. Then she thought, I'll try one more time. And she went to the one. And she stood beside the one. And the one looked at her. And he was slumped. And all of a sudden, he raised up. And then a smile came. And all of a sudden, she realized that she was on the right side of one this time. And now it was 10. You see, if we could only understand that if we would get on the right side, which is God's side, the end result will be. We hope you were blessed by our program today. If you would like a copy of today's program, go to www. FredLowry.com, where you can find this program and other Christian resources by Dr. Fred Lowry.